Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are sitting at um, a comfy 68 degrees here, Fahrenheit, overcast, and uh, looking at a, a toasty high of 80 degrees. So I saw a little report of the snow that's been moving through up in the U.S. I don't know what's going on in Canada, but praying for you guys. Come on down for a little vacation. We have a lot of people here, by the way. It's nice to see all you that are here. It's wonderful. It's really encouraging for us. And we were at the mission yesterday and um, had a wonderful time with the kids. Wonderful group of kids. And got a little work done out there. Things are, are moving on. So we will move over and look at this day in trivia. Quickly, what word in English in the English language is spelled wrong more than any other word? <laughs> The word wrong. <laughs> should do, I should do that and not hold the button down. Um, okay. Interesting. Everybody wants to save the earth. Nobody wants to help mom do the dishes. <laughs> PJ O'Rourke said that. <laughs> very, very true. On this day is, sadly, the anniversary of the Challenger accident in 1986. Not 60. 1986 was when the Challenger exploded. 73 seconds after liftoff, killing all crew on board. Very sad. First Jewish man to the Supreme Court justice, or to the Supreme Court, to become a justice. Luis Nibitz Brendis, appointed by President Woodrow Wilson on this day in 1916. U.S. Coast Guard, 1915, was established when the Congress um, convened and um, put... Uh, one of their boats in service. <clears throat> okay. Fantasy Island, 20, uh, January 28th, 1978. plane, the plane. Started on this day. Mm, American League football also started on this day. 1901, the American League was formed. And the first street lit by gaslight, January 28th, 1809, 1807. And now we have the infamous phrase of gaslighting. Coming from that. Well, kind of. How about any of the dad jokes? See if we've got any. Any ones we haven't quite gotten yet. Let's let's try. Let's try and see if we have some some new ones. A Japanese student. Master Kyoto, why do Europeans think we all look the same? The master replied. I'm not Master Kyoto. <laughs> That one caught me off guard. <laughs> okay, here's a good one. When I see lovers carve their name in a tree, I, I don't think how sweet. I just think how surprising how many people would bring a knife on a date. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know if that's a joke or an observation. Let's try this. Let's try this one. I had, I had a dream where an evil queen forced me to eat a gigantic marshmallow. <laughs> I woke up and my pillow was gone. <laughs> All right, that's just, that's too much silliness. All right, we shall move on in to now into the spiritual and look 
at Genesis 27 and 28 this morning. If you have your Bibles, please open them. Yes, you can listen, especially if you're driving. But if you're at home, if you're somewhere where you can grab your Bible, it helps. Especially if you're, well, no, not especially if you're new, but anyone. Because you need to know how to use your sword, as the expression goes. You need to get your eye and your hand coordinated to know, I know where Genesis 27 is. You need to know where it is in your Bible. That way, in the future, when you're trying to remember something or help somebody else is looking for answers, you know where it is in the Bible, rather than just trying to remember in your mind. So it's very helpful. Father, we ask you to guide us now and direct us as we look in to your word once again this morning. Thank you for the freshness of this day. May you continue to keep it fresh as we keep the... The, the manna, God, in our minds as we feast upon it. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jacob's deception. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, and he said to him, Here I am. And he said, Behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, Please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game. And prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father, that he may eat it, so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me. Then I will be as a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house. And he put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the young goat on his hands and the smooth part on his neck. She also gave a savory, the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. And he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Get up, please sit and eat of my game, that you may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen uh, it to happen to me. And Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands... Of the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like his brother Esau's hands, and so he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son, Esau? He said, I am. So he said, Bring it to me, and I will eat of my son's game. 
that I may bless you. And he brought it to him, and he ate, and he also uh, brought wine to him, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of the garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may the Lord give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Verse 30. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, that and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. Isaac his father said to him, Who are you? And he said, I am your son your firstborn, Esau. I'm your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that that I ate of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master, and all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about... When you become ruthless, that you will break his yoke from your neck. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee to Haran, to my brother Laban, stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and if he forgets what you did to him, then I will send and get you From there, why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like this, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Chapter 28. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, 
You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take for yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Badam Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, and the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padam Aram to take to himself a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padam Aram. Now so Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and married beside the wives that he had, uh, Maholath and the daughter, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, sister of Neboth. Verse 10, Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and he lay down in that place. And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on, on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob arose early in the morning, took the stone which he had under his head, and set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on its top. And he called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, will keep me on this journey and that I take and give me food to eat and garments to wear. And I return to my father's house and safely, then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that you gave me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So the beginning of the line of Jacob, very intriguing and very puzzling, the whole thing of deception of his brother. The big question is, why did God allow it? We don't have an answer, a concrete answer. We have some guesses. Esau was the firstborn. There's a concept in the Bible that God wants to communicate all through the Bible. And that is, it's often the weak and the least that God wants to use. He chooses to use. The world's standards says, if you're out in front, in a sense, firstborn, 
more powerful and you have established yourself, then you get the right to rule and the right to have power and wealth and all these kinds of things. And in God's economy, he turns all that upside down. He says, no, I like to use the weak and the forgotten and the least among these to bless uh, the world and to use for my kingdom. So God chooses by his own means. He tends to look out for the least or the or the last, however you want to look at this. So there's kind of a spiritual principle that, and you see this all through the Bible, that he uses the younger or he uses the smallest tribe in Israel instead of the biggest tribe to bring the Messiah. Uh, here he's using the younger brother rather than the older brother who's supposed to receive the blessing and get it all. Everybody expected Esau to get everything. So he allows Jacob to take the, the um, blessing. Why? Well, it probably had a lot to do with the birthright because Esau didn't care about the birthright. He showed as the older brother he expected to get it all, and he was a man that was focused on his appetites much more than the Lord, and Jacob wasn't. He had a more sensitive spirit towards the Lord. Now, his mother probably realized this. And again, this is a lot of supposition, but she probably realized, you know what? God is really establishing his presence in my son Jacob, not in Esau. Jacob had a sensitivity towards the Lord. She realized that that maybe that the Lord wanted him to be, to have to receive the blessing. It obviously was his overall plan. And so she plans this whole deception thing. It's kind of weird because he, he's deceiving his brother and stealing the blessing, and yet God allows it because it was fitting into his purposes. And there's a lot of spiritual lessons that we can learn <laughs> in all of this, and I'm just still learning of, of myself and all of them. But again, once you get comfortable with the idea that God is using the least, the last, the weak so many times as spiritual object lessons for us, that he, he really cares about everyone, it's a lot easier to see, a lot easier to understand why he might allow this kind of thing to happen. So he does. And uh, interestingly enough, then, then when his mom realizes, he says, hey, <laughs> uh, you need to leave because of this deception that you did rather than saying me. That uh, was really Rebecca. Um, the deception that Rebecca had done and she says, you gotta, you got to flee. And, uh, and so she goes and tells Jacob. And Jacob blesses him. See, Jacob now, we don't see that he's you know, super mad. And why did you do this? He's probably going, okay, Lord, you know, that was your plan all along. You really wanted Jacob to receive the blessing that Esau. But legally, he was bound to give it to Esau. But he knew God really was choosing Jacob. So he was okay with it. He's like, okay, yeah, God wanted you to have the blessing. So now be blessed. And go and take a wife. And of course, like every rebellious teenage rivalry in the family, when the older brother finds out and says, Oh man, dad really is happy with him. And he doesn't, you know, I'm going to do whatever ticks off dad. And I'm going to go over here and take a wife from over here because that'll make dad really mad. So family dynamics are still, still the same as they were way back then. So now he's going to go and find a wife. But on the way, we could say that he got saved. In the Old Testament sense, he knows of his, the God of his father, but he has not met the God of his father yet. And now he meets him as he's there sleeping. And um, for the modern terminology, a dimension opened up and he could see these angels coming through it and coming down and going up. A ladder, not really physical ladder. It was more just a, it was a passageway. If anything, it was a stairway, not a, 
just a regular ladder like we think, but it was some kind of um, passageway. And it was in the idea was Jesus as Lord over everything was there looking down on him and saying, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac. I, as I chose them, I'm choosing you. And just so you know, there's interaction here between heaven and earth. Communication, my angels, my messengers will be around. I'm sending them to you and, and you know, a good encouragement for prayer for Jacob. He let him know he's in charge. Let him know what he's doing and that he's going, I'm going to bring you back to this land. You're going to go over there for a while, but I'm going to bring you back here because I promised Abraham, right? Your grandfather, that this is going to be your land and you're going to be established here. So he keeps all through history, just going back to these guys saying, this is the plan. This is what I'm going to do. And now he meets Jesus and he, and I, I believe because he's the physical manifestation in heaven that he can see. And so now he's like, wow, this place is holy. Gods were always viewed in the, in the local sense of having dominion over certain areas and goes, this place, this place right here is a, is a holy place. This is a, this is like a dimensional passageway from heaven and earth. Well, I think any place could be for, uh, is for the Lord, but that place was special. So he called it Bethel, house of the God, house of God. And um, now he's on his way to um, become established and grow a lot. Like, again, we see Abraham going down to Egypt, going away, growing, getting a wife blessed. Well, growing, not getting a wife, but blessed, and then coming back. He's going to go to Laban, go back to out of the land of the blessed land of potentially the promised land, which is now Canaan, and then grow and then come back. Same as Isaac. It's just a pattern. Even later, all the tribes will go down to Egypt, grow, and come out blessed. So that's that's the way God <laughs> tends to grow his, his uh, people. All right, Matthew 18. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. And his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. And when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart.
Man, that's powerful. That is, you just hearing the story, you go, how unfair that slave is who would do that. And yet, we do it. When you realize what God has forgiven us from, the enormous debt that we owe him for our sin, and then we see someone else fall into sin, and we go, I'm never going to forgive that person, never going to forgive that person. What they did to me, forget it. And we hold on to bitterness and anger. Now we're talking within the church, we're talking about a brother here. I think it's important that we're talking about things going on within the church family because we all serve the same master and we, we're all forgiven. We need to extend it to unbelievers, to forgiveness, because then that's a ministry opportunity. That's a witness to them. We do it to show them the love of Christ, that they'll know us by our love. We're going to look at that tomorrow with the Church of Philadelphia. So it applies in that same kind of area, but see, in the world where there's, where there's wickedness, you know, if some child molester, you know, comes and, and, and does some molesting of children, um, I'm not going to forgive that person from my heart. I'm going to pray that he gets justice. I pray that he gets arrested. I pray that he gets in prison and gets saved in prison, you know, and God does something with him there. But we're dealing with matters of the heart within the church. Somebody offends you in church and you go, I'm not going to forgive that person. <clears throat> but that person is blood bought. That person has been purchased by the blood of Christ the same way you have. And God has forgiven them. God has forgiven them already. And he's basically saying, if I've forgiven, if I've forgiven them, why can't you? And Peter's going, yeah, but I already forgave that person once or twice. Why do I have to do it again? And he's just saying that we are supposed to walk in forgiveness. It's a tough thing because you don't want to open up opportunity to enable, enable a person to continue in sin. That means, oh, yeah, okay, you're, you're constantly, you know, in the marriage relationship, you're constantly going out and falling into sin. I forgive you. And just like everything's fine. There is a balance. There is a... A real fine line is mostly what you do is you forgive in the heart. Then, and then often you may have to allow the Lord's discipline to take its effect. There are consequences for sin. And so these are, these are areas that require a lot of prayer and to walk carefully in. Mostly what he's saying, you can't hold on to bitterness. And you have to, to walk in forgiveness. And if the person is truly repenting, the person is truly, truly desiring forgiveness from God and trying to change because they're believers, then the Bible says, well, you forgive them. And then if that person is not willing to change their, their behavior, well, that's, they're not repenting. But a repenting person is changing. They're trying to change. They're trying to, to work in, in towards following Jesus. Those people, you forgive from the heart. Well, you forgive them anyway, but you forgive them from the heart. And, uh, and then you Look for wisdom how to deal with the person. It's, it's a tough decision sometimes, but this is why it's so important to read the Word and let the Holy Spirit speak to you, and He will speak to you. Charles Spurgeon now. Tears shall cease, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Revelation 21.4. I love that verse. Yes, we shall carn, C-A-R-N-E. You guys can check me and see if that's the word that you have in your version. We shall carn to this if we are believers. Sorrow shall cease 
and tears shall be wiped away. This is the world of weeping, but it passes away. There shall be a new heaven and a new earth. So says the first verse of this chapter, and therefore there will be nothing to weep over concerning the fall and its consequent miseries. Read the second verse and note how it speaks of the bride and her marriage. The Lamb's wedding is a time for boundless pleasure and tears would be out of place. The third verse says that God himself will dwell among men and surely at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore and tears can no longer flow. What will our state be when there is no more sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain? This will be more glorious than we can as yet imagine. Our eyes that are red with weeping cease your scandaling flow. For in a little while you shall know no more tears. None can wipe tears away like the God of love. But he is coming to do it. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Come, Lord, and tarry not. For now both men and women must weep. Father, we thank you. For those words and we thank you that amidst all of the pain and suffering amidst all the times where we're dealing with people who have hurt us and done things that were unright not not right hurtful and we've we've suffered that there is coming that glorious day where you come for us and where there is no weeping where there's only joy where we experience more love and more peace and more joy than we've ever, ever known in this life. We thank you that it's all future, that it's all there, and that it's all real. And, and that makes us, God, people of faith, of patience. We know that we can forgive because we've been forgiven, and we know we can forgive because of what we have to look forward to in the future. And we pray for those that are caught up in sin because they are not realizing the greatness of salvation, that the greatness of your love, the boundless forgiveness that is available. They're caught up in something so earthly, so temporal, like Esau selling off his birthright for a bowl of beans. It's as ridiculous as that. We give up our inheritance in heaven for earthly pleasures that are so temporal, that aren't worth any more than a bowl of beans in your economy. So God help us to maintain our perspective and everything going on around us. And thank you for the amazing, amazing love that you have for us and the things that you are doing and the way that you promise to take care of us. Your promises that you see are new every morning. So we bless you and we thank you, God. And we do pray for those that are hurting, that are needing this understanding. Um, and we pray that you continue to help us grow as mature believers to be walking in forgiveness and see this life from the perspective, from your perspective, not from our own. And that makes us stronger, God. And we think about those that are in bed, those that are hurting, those that have um, sicknesses. And that's where the enemy plays in the mind. So we want to pray for your strengthening upon the center lines for Dean and Kim and for their kids for your strengthening of their immune systems and their bodies to get them healed, God, so that the, the, the enemy has no ground to mess with their minds in discouragement and questioning. Same with Kevin and Lee, God, that you would be healing them miraculously, that we can see your hand move in their life 
so that the, the pain, the, the um, whatever physical blockage and occlusions going on in Kevin's lungs will be taken away, the blood will flow, the oxygen will flow, and you heal that up, as well as all those um, dealing with um, circulatory issues. And um, they, you would be touching Lenoy's body and healing her up completely too. Just heal her. God, we pray that, that she'd be feeling great and you continue to help her feel more energy and feel better every day. Thank you for Juan Carlos and his healing. Thank you for Hank healing him. Hopefully, God, um, you're, you're healing all those that are dealing with, with health issues, with difficulties. We bless you for that. We want to pray for Dr. Robert Love. Uh, he fell yesterday, and um, uh, how, you know, that's a difficult thing. He can't really walk now, so we, we pray that he can, you can strengthen his bones, that he would become strong quickly, God, and that he would feel better, give him energy, give him balance, um, and uh, God, you would take care of his knee, as I'm finding out that he's had surgery on it, that you'd help that repair quickly. Uh, God, we know he loves you, he trusts you. He's patient. Uh, he knows what he's going through. So God, just get keep him encouraged in what he's going through. Keep him encouraged spiritually, God, as any kind of injury to our body is a difficult thing to process, and it's easy to get discouraged. Just help him know that he's loved and he's appreciated and, uh, and heal his body quickly. So thank you for all that you're doing in his life and up there in, in Canada, and thank you that you... You continue to use him in so many ways to help others heal. So thank you for that. And um, Father, we look for your continued blessing and healing in everyone that's coming into the church that is looking for a touch from your hand. May you supernaturally move, Father. We believe that you're a healer. We trust you for healing. We just don't want to make a show of it. We desire that you heal secretly, that you touch people while they sleep, and then they can come forward and give you all the glory. So we thank you for the way you're moving. And we also pray for healing of hearts, those that are hurt, those that are hurting right now, that have been hurt, going through a lot emotionally. Pray you heal their hearts so that they can now focus on what they want to focus on. And that's just growing in Christ and getting stronger and stronger. So thank you for that. Thank you for all that you're doing. And we ask you bless tomorrow abundantly. Guide my words, God. Teach us what it is to be a church of Philadelphia as we look forward to, to growing in, as a church in general, as a whole, to be more like you. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And also be praying for the different evangelisms, uh, teams, and different um, opportunities. We've been sharing the Lord. It's still got some people going downtown on Thursday night sharing the Lord. So that's encouraging. And families out around the mission that are that are growing in Christ, different cool things that are going on. And yeah, a number of things, a number of things going on around us. So Bible studies are going on. We get another new women's Bible study. Be praying for that as that study so the, the ladies are encouraged. So thank you guys for, for being with us. I will now after this sometime today try and put out a podcast so you can listen. If you want to listen to Genesis 29 and 30, I imagine, and, uh, the, and Matthew 19, uh, you can catch that on the podcast. So you can uh, go to the, any of the any of the podcast formats, Google or Apple or Spotify, Stitcher, and just um, search for Manna for Breakfast, and you can probably pick that up. Make sure to uh, subscribe. That helps a lot, if you will. 
And uh, the Bible study is going to be in Spanish. Renee wrote me and said, okay, so be praying for the women doing the Spanish Bible study. We sh- we're not, don't have the, the structure set up at the time to do the English study for women right now, but be praying for that. Be praying for that. See if God opens up an opportunity. But um, So anyway, we will see you tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Hopefully you all could make it physically, but if not, we'll see you online. God bless you. Keep looking up. Bye-bye.